0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance
1: on News Talk.
0: Now, new figures show that counties on the west coast of Ireland are housing the majority of Ukrainian refugees who fled their country after the Russian invasion. I'm joined uh, now on the line by independent Kerry TD Michael Healy Ray. Michael, good morning.
1: Good morning, Pat, to you and your listeners.
0: You have seen the map. It's published in the Irish Independent uh, this morning. And it it shows, for example, that the capital, Dublin, uh, is housing 6,984 refugees and asylum seekers. Kerry is housing more, 7,292. Cork not too far behind, less than Dublin, but still... Uh, 5,907, looking to Galway 3,776, Mayo 2,916, and so on and so forth. What do you make of that, map?
1: Well, first of all, it's an excellent and factual report in The Independent, which is most welcome, because what people need to know and have to know all the time is the facts of exactly what is happening uh, around the country, and indeed uh, how money is being managed and, uh, and all of that. But I want to give an example, because when we talk about housing people, and it's actually whether people are from the Ukraine, whether it's people that are on a local authority housing list, the one thing we need to do, Pat, is look at the bigger picture. An accommodation is an accommodation, but you need schooling, you need education, you need health services, you need all the other things that people need, whether it's the local shop or the local post office, you need other services. But I want to use an analogy, with your permission, of an area that you know very, very well, which is the Ivara Peninsula, which is in South Kerry. It goes from, we'll say, Kells, all that area, Carras Port McGee, Valencia, Bellenskillings, Waterville, all that area, far as Sneem. Now that area was served in the past by six GPs. They were excellent people working very hard in the community. There is a population of 8,500 people in that area. Now, a thousand of those are Ukrainian, uh, and they're also international protection applicants. So we have 8,500 people, and it was six GPs. Now it is two, and we have the possibility that we might be going down to one uh, in May of this year. As you know, Pat, that area explodes in population during the summer months with holiday makers, and that's very welcome. But we don't have a proper South Dock service there now on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. We don't have a proper service there. And uh, Kathleen Brannock, who is the chairperson of the Evra Task Force, organized a meeting last Friday between myself and other local and national representatives, Minister Norma Foley was represented there. And what they're looking for is a proper GP service to be providing service for all of that area. Now, I'm glad you allow me just use that as an example. As an example I'm sure that there are people from Donegal to Clare to Galway and all along the, the West Coast and probably all over the country with the same type of examples. And if you don't have proper health care services and if you don't have enough room in the schools, it's not just all about providing beds. You have to provide all the other services that go with living and life in general, Pat. Sure. But
0: uh, the first thing you want to do is put a roof over people's heads. Isn't that so? I, I well, mean, if it, in this weather particularly, we're going to have really well below zero temperatures uh, this week. The last thing you really want is, be they single men or uh, mothers with families, the last thing you want for them is to be on the streets. So your, your first action has got to be try to put a roof over their heads, wherever that roof might be.
1: Of course, you're 100% correct. And I have to tell you, on a human level, late at night uh, when I'm in Dublin, I, I, I like walking late at night if I can at all. And uh, and very sadly and unfortunately, I see people who are camping out for the night and having to sleep rough for the night. And uh, the cold could be bitter. And you you'd just have to think of how horrendous it is to be lying down on the ground and the cold coming up out of the ground, uh, going through your bones. It must be the most horrible and awful experience that any person has to go through, and uh, on a human level, you're 100% right that, of course, the bed is the first and most important issue. But what I'm trying to say is on the bigger picture, and if you're looking at, at that map today that's in the independent, and I would encourage people to look at it and understand what is happening in Ireland, that it's not just enough to say we'll put people in such a place. You have to say is there services for them as well? Uh, and can they have a proper life? Because if we are, uh, take, for instance, our own housing list, with thousands and thousands of people on local authority housing lists, we have to ensure that where those people are located, that they can educate their children, that they'll have local schools, that they'll have creches, that they'll be able to go to work, which is very important, and that they'll have childcare at affordable and and, and readily available to them. So, that would be the point I'd be making in reaction to today's report. But today's report is welcome because a pile of people wouldn't realise where the people are going or what exactly is happening or the amount of people involved. The uh,
0: point that um, the Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris, made uh, with us last week on the programme was that yes, we need to change things, we need to do things better, but that we are still really in the emergency phase of this crisis. In other words, You find out where are the empty places, where are the hotels that are not busy or are about to close down, where are the institutions that used to be something else, where are they and as you know yourself Dublin real estate is very expensive. Um, hard to find those kind of, uh, you know, buildings that could be reopened swiftly to house people. Everyone always mentions Bagot Street Hospital, which would not even take a week's influx. Uh, But, you know, in the country, the the minister said, you have to go where the space is at the moment. In this emergency phase, we hope to rationalise everything and get it more ordered with the the new uh, centres for incoming migrants that are, are being designed and hopefully built. But in the meantime, it's still an emergency. What do you say to that?
1: Well, the most frightening headline I think I've seen in a long time on the front of any paper, and I'm open to correction, but I think it was actually the Daily Mail. And the headline was a quote from a minister, and what it said was, 15,000 a year will be the new normal. And that was talking about international protection-seeking persons. Now, the question I'd ask in reaction to that... And, and I know more than you and no more than anybody else. I am not a racist. I am not any type of anti-person, and I'm not an alarmist person. But I'd like to think that I deal in reality and in the real world. And I just have to ask myself, if you take 15,000 people from that sector and bring them in every year, where in the name of holy heaven are they going to go to? Because we're not building. There's not, there's no construction if you actually take the amount of uh, buildings that are getting to go ahead, because all we seem to have continuously, as far as I see, people who do want to build, that it's nothing but objections after objections after objections. And I know that in Kerry, we seem to be plagued with objections. And... Uh, so we're not putting in t- together uh, new accommodation. And what I always say, and I've said this since I became a, a public representative many, many years ago, when I am uh, going along on the road or if, I, if I'm near a school and if I see young children, we'll say that are maybe young girls that are 15 and 16, and when I see them coming out in hundreds out of a school, I think to myself, in a very short number of years, they will be the new young moms and young dads. And what I always think of is, my God, where are they going to live? Because we're not building or increasing our supply of housing stock with regard to the population, whether that's people coming into the country or our own people, which can't be forgotten about because they're the people that are here, their parents are here, and they have a reasonable and rightful expectation to housing and accommodation, but we're not providing it. You can't you couldn't afford to buy a hen house in Dublin, and, uh, and the cost of property around the rest of the country isn't too far behind it. But this, the increase in stock is minimal with regard to the increase in demand. And when I saw that headline that day, I swear to God, Pat, I was scratching my head and I was thinking to myself, 15,000 a year, where are they going to yeah. go? Um,
0: I would take a, a slightly different kind of calculation. I would say if you've got 70,000 people doing the Leaving search every year, Um, That is, in theory, 35,000 couples uh, who eventually will be homemakers. And uh, so that's the minimum you need to build in theory. But then at the other end of the scale, there are people popping their clogs and therefore vacating uh, properties. So, uh, you know, what's the real annual need we we need to meet? And if you've got 15,000 refugees, suppose each of them uh, has a family unit with two and perhaps it's even four if they're bringing in children. You might need an extra 5,000 uh, dwellings uh, for them. Uh, but the real problem is what we lost after the crash of the Celtic Tiger. We stopped building for many, many years. So it's the catch up that we need to do rather than saying that we can't match our population's increase every year.
1: Well, we did well at one stage. During the tiger, which of course was false economics at one stage, if you stood in the one spot for too too long, a, a person could actually build a house around you. that were going up at such a rate. But, uh, but that was wrong as well. But we seem to have failed to get the balance. One thing that you didn't bring into your equation and your mathematical calculation, and this is a very good thing, of course, because we'd all like to stay around for another while if we, if we could. Our population is growing to an older age because of modern health care and better facilities and services in healthcare. We are living longer, and people's life expectancy is there longer. So, therefore, a accommodation is not passed on to younger generations as quickly as maybe as it would have been before. So we really have a big problem, but I believe that our ministers and our government, and I'm not a knocker, I don't like criticizing people, but I'd ask them to really knuckle down to this issue. And to the Minister for Housing, to the Minister for Health, to all of the people who are charged with taking care of our society, knuckle down to the job at task, task, and be practical about it and be sensible about it. And that is what we need. And we need then to that when people are looking to develop and to build houses, whether it's a small group of houses in a village or whether it's a large scheme of houses, yes, of course, people have the right to object, and that's proper yeah. and that's right too.
0: Okay, but, no, no, Michael, but we need uh, you, you to know, there are, there are many uh, people who are, you know, critical of the government's uh, asylum. vetting process and the government has said it's robust that people are vetted the the, the lie that's being spread around the place that people are being sent down by the government to various places without being vetted they say that is not true Uh, they vet them But there's another issue. Um, The article we're talking about in The Independent this morning states that 70% of those claiming asylum who arrive at Dublin Airport arrive with no identification. The Gardaí say that they are destroying their passports and their IDs to conceal their country of origin. So therefore, it's maybe understandable that people are cynical towards the claim that it's a robust asylum process seems to be no consequence for the deliberate destruction of documents. It's the gaming of the system, says John, that causes people to be so cynical about the asylum system. What do you say?
1: Well, John's uh, statement there is very factual. Uh, and that is one thing that really upsets an awful lot of people. If you were or anybody else has to travel, we have documentation. And When people are coming into this country, and this is the department's own statistics, this is not scaremongering. Half of the people that are coming in here seeking international protection don't have documentation. That is a fact. And where is it that their documentation disappears from? When they get on the other side to when they land here, the documentation disappears. I cannot understand how the, whether it's the, the refuse facilities or the toilet facilities are completely choked up on our airplanes and on our airports because the documentation is going somewhere. But it's certainly not being presented when they come here. And that is dubious, and it is a wrong pra- practice. Yeah. And it, it by later- the
0: way, Michael, it is astonishing to me that um, we don't have some sort of arrangement with the airlines, you know, because when you're going through a Ryanair check or an Aer Lingus check, they check your passport against uh, your boarding card um, at, at one point, at any rate, in the process. And it seems to me that that record should exist. And therefore, you know, if you know somebody was sitting in seat 15B that that's who they, their documents said they were when they boarded the aircraft. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that the, that is not beyond the wit of uh, the authorities on every side of borders to be able to correlate that in some way. So the mysteries uh, of where do you come from would be answered.
1: But there seems to be an unwillingness to tackle that. And if people were found to be trying to, what I would call, misuse the system, well, there's nothing wrong with actually turning people back. If you think that somebody has purposely destroyed their documentation, I don't think they should be entertained in the same way that a person who would present their documentation would be. And this is our leading the concern of people. We've had awful serious concerns, and I'm just going to give an example, uh, and I know it's the same in many other towns throughout the country, but for example, in Killarney Town, there's been a big controversy recently, and it's actually ongoing over the location and the sight of so many people at a certain location in Killarney Town, and uh, that controversy is actually raging. It was on our own local radio station again recently. And people have and are actually being proved right with some of the concerns that they have. So the government has a big job to do. But the one thing that I'd ask the government to do, and I think this is a fair request, I'd ask them to listen. Listen to the community groups. Listen to our county councillors who I place great, great significance in because they are the local representatives on the ground. Listen to the TDs. Listen to the people who are saying, you must manage this differently. You, you have to question. We just can't take everything for granted. And at the end of the day, remember, we don't get money out of the sky to deal with these issues. It is the taxpayers. It's our bosses. Every one of us have a function in life. Your function is to report what's happening in the world. I'm to be a public representative. Our job is to talk up for people. And you have to talk up for people who are paying the bill, and that is our taxpayers.
0: Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Michael Healy-Ray, who's independent uh, Kerry TD. Uh, Some of the comments coming in, I'm unaware that Albania or Georgia are countries at war. There's no justification for them to claim asylum in Ireland on any basis. Uh, The prediction of... 15,000 people seeking international protection a year for 10 years. That's 150,000 people. That is uh, the same population as a greater Limerick City. You'd need to be planning for it by now and enabling works should already be underway. That will never happen in Ireland. We'll be still at the talking stage in uh, 10 years. And the final one for the moment, regarding the majority of refugees being housed in the west of Ireland reminds me of Cromwell's well-known statement, to hell or to con it—that's from Porrick. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.